I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. In this episode, we're taking a look at some political, new, fresh faces. I don't know about you, but there has definitely been a new energy and new mobilization among a new generation to really change the way politics is done, to make it work for the people, and to make it work for our communities. And nowhere is that change in our city more evident than coming from the borough of Queens, which is where our three panelists come from. Let me introduce them to you right now. Zoran Mamdani, he is a Democrat from the 36th District in Astoria. He is the first South Asian man elected to the New York State Assembly, the first South Asian man from New York City, Zoran Mamdani. Thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. She's the first Latina, first person of color to represent Jackson Heights and other neighborhoods in Assembly District 34. Jessica, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Also joining us is Khalil Musa Anderson. He is the youngest black man at the age of, I think, 24, Khalil? 24. Um, ever elected to the New York State Assembly. He represents District 31 in Queens, which includes Far Rockaway and many other neighborhoods. Khalil, thank you so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you, Lisa, so much for having us today. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really exciting. Zoran, in terms of running for office, what brought you to that point? How did you, did you wake up one day and go, I want to run for office or this is really messed up. I can do better than them. Tell, tell us a little bit about how you got involved. So before I was a candidate for office, I was a foreclosure prevention housing counselor, which means I would work with low to moderate income homeowners of color, typically immigrant homeowners across the borough of Queens. And so it was my job to work with people whose lives had been broken into a million pieces, whether it be sudden job loss, an unexpected medical emergency, something happening in their family, and try to piece things back together. And on the side of that, I was an active member in the Democratic Socialists of America's Queens branch. And so one day at a meeting that we were having, a good friend of mine pulled me aside and asked me to run for this seat. And I took a couple of weeks to, to think it over. Um, and the reason that I decided to do so is that the potential of being a legislator is to craft and push and then enact laws that ensure that people's lives are never broken in the first place. And that's what I'm really excited to go to Albany to do. No, and, and we're going to talk about some, what some of your goals are in a minute, too. Let me bring in our other panelists. Uh, Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, you're the first Latina from a, a district that has a very large Latin population. What made you decide to get involved? Well, representation really matters. This district is one of the most diverse districts, not just in the city or state, but possibly the world. We are 60% Latinx, we're 27% Asian and mostly South Asian, and we hail from countries like Bangladesh and Ecuador and Peru and Nepal. Um, and this district has never been represented by neither a per person of color or really a progressive person of color. So it's not just about identity, and it's also, it's also about values. So as someone who's also come from this as an activist, I've been an activist for over two decades on everything from disability justice to reproductive justice, to immigration, uh, to LGBTQ liberation, I understand firsthand the issues that our communities face and the fact that our representatives were not representing the needs of our community. And I believe that those most impacted by the horrific policies that we often see are often those that, are, that, that have the solutions. So as someone who comes from the community, someone who's 
work on the, on the grassroots level in our community, I felt that, and, and, and quite honestly, like Zahran said, people have come to me to ask and say, why don't you run? Um, but I felt like I can actually be the convener of the stories and the solutions that our communities most need and most deserve. So very personal for you. Totally. Khalil, uh, Khalil Musa Anderson, tell us what made you decide to, to get involved and run for office. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for me, I've been an activist and organizer uh, in the Rockaways uh, for a little over 10 years, just being engaged and involved in the political discourse that's been happening in our neighborhoods, the issues um, that really matter to the residents uh, that live uh, in, and, in and around the Rockaways. I got my start as an organizer with the Rockaway Youth Task Force, uh, and I've been organizing with groups all throughout uh, Queens uh, thereafter, just because of the work that we were doing, fighting to make sure that we had uh, police reform, fighting to make sure that there was adequate access to uh, food in, in, in a, a federally labeled food desert, making sure that transit justice was on the top of the minds of uh, our elected leaders and people who are organizing uh, in the neighborhood are the things that I've been super passionate about. And I'm hoping to, to bring that same energy to the legislature um, to, to, to bring a voice to the legislature that's been lacking for so long um, that really, really prioritizes the hyper-local, uh, really, really prioritizes the needs of everyday uh, average folk who are just trying to, to get by uh, and want to do um, better in that space. And, and so, uh, you know, I decided to run uh, for the legislature because I, I really, I'm a little crazy. I think that uh, everyone should live uh, in, in decent housing. And that's-, that's crazy too. We think that's pretty basic. <laughs> Uh, right. Um, I think that everyone should have access to fresh Absolutely. And, and, I, and I strongly believe that folks should have access uh, to transit so they can get from point A to point B. And these are the things that I've been consistent with and we're hoping to bring it to the legislature. And I have the additional um, um, responsibility uh, to make sure that we, we have a youth focus being the youngest member of the legislature, we have to make sure we prioritize young people because we are often at the epicenter of everything, but left out of these discussions. And, and I think that's one of the great things about this election overall has just been that energy and the involvement and the engagement of so many people. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. When we come back, what are the issues that drove them into office from their constituents? We'll find out in just a moment. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks, and real Real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We are in the midst of a sea change in every aspect of our lives, and nowhere is that more evident than in the field of politics. A lot of people think of the state legislature as something upstate in Albany with people that have little to do with our daily lives, when in fact, state lawmakers actually pay, play a huge impact in the key issues in our communities from housing and healthcare to our schools to our transportation even to our parks and our roads. You're about to meet a group of people who are making change. They got involved in the system and uh, they're trying to do things in a new way to really serve their constituents and serve the people. Joining me is Zoran Mamdani. He is uh, from Queens. He's the first South Asian man elected to the New York State Assembly, the first South Asian man elected from anything in New York City. Zoran, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's a pleasure. We appreciate it. Um, Jessica Gonzalez Rojas is the first Latina and first person of color elected from District 34 in Queens, which includes Jackson Heights and many other neighborhoods. Jessica, great to have you with us. 
Thank you, Lisa, so much. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Khalil Musa Anderson. He is the youngest black man ever elected to New York State. He represents District 31 in Queens, which is far Rockaway and other communities um, surrounding neighborhoods. Khalil, great to have you with us. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having us today. Thank you so much. Jessica, in terms of the issues that that you really found resonating with voters, especially first-time voters, especially uh, you know new voters who just turned 19 or 20, whatever. Give, give us your top three. So as someone who's done immigrant advocacy my entire life, I'm a daughter of an immigrant. My mom's Puerto Rican. My dad's from Paraguay. He came to this country at 16. I know the struggles that our immigrant community faces this district is 62% immigrant and being at the forefront of the issues that the immigrant community is facing, a lot of it are federal issues, but it's, it's become a local issue because navigating the school system, navigating housing, navigating jobs and opportunities right here in the district has been a tremendous challenge due to the immigration status. So I have to say those are the issues that are top of mind for us, making sure that in any policies that we uh, advance is that we're thinking about who does this benefit? Does this benefit a person who does not speak English? Does this benefit a person who may be undocumented right now? Does this benefit someone who's transgender and their gender identity doesn't reflect that on their ID, right? It's really about centering the needs of those who have been most marginalized so that every single person can benefit. And that comes out in every issue. When we talk about housing, when we talk about education, when we talk about jobs, when we talk about any issue that impacts our lives, I come to the work with that framework um, and that's why I feel really excited to be an activist in the state assembly because I'm centering those lived experiences and I want to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to thrive, no matter their gender identity, their sexual orientation, their immigration status, what language they speak, you know, who they love. Um, all those things are really centered in my advocacy. Oh, that's fantastic. Zoran, in terms of in terms of your district, you have tremendous diversity there as well. So are there issues that, that basically were cutting across all the, all the various uh, different demographic groups? Absolutely, Lisa. Now, the first and foremost, the issue that is kind of the underpinning of the crisis here in Astoria is about housing. You know, just before this, I was actually at a press conference at an apartment building here in Astoria where the landlord had shut off heat and hot water for the 16 different units across the entirety of the building. And those tenants are almost all immigrants. The vast majority of them are Bangladeshi. So as Jessica was saying, there are multiple layers of the ways in which people experience these crises. It's not a coincidence that oftentimes it is the most marginalized in our society that experience the most harassment from these kinds of entities and landlords. So, you know, when I would be out there talking to voters on subway platforms, in parks, at their doors, and then post-COVID over the phone, on text, we would always find the conversation going back to housing because we're in the midst of a global pandemic, an unprecedented one, where health officials are saying the safest thing to do is stay home, right. and yet we have not canceled rent. And yet we do not have a foolproof eviction moratorium. We are not incentivizing people to follow these guidelines. And we would find again and again and again, this is not a crisis that began in the middle of March. This is a crisis that has existed for many, many years. And here in Astoria, just like in Jackson Heights, we are experiencing the throes of gentrification. We are seeing there is a financial incentive for landlords to kick out longstanding tenants, to bring in new ones that can pay higher rents. And we need to fight back against that by passing these kinds of legislation and by ensuring that we've passed good cause eviction, which will create universal rent control across New York State. 
Khalil, in terms of the issues in among your constituents now, what are you seeing on, on the top ones? You, you mentioned transportation, which of course in Southeast Queens is critical, but what are the ones that really you think motivated people to, to, to come out? Yeah, so I think uh, separate from transit, as you mentioned, I would say two additional issues that are vitally important to folks uh, who live in the 31st or around the 31st certainly would be food access. We saw that during COVID-19, a lot of people could not access food as they normally would. Seniors and uh, you know folk, uh, folks who rely uh, on foods that are cultural, you know, central to their culture, um, and and general foods that they need to go to, fresh produce as well. These are things that folks struggle to access, uh, you know, during the storm, and it's something that's been ex exacerbated, uh, you know, during COVID. Um, and you know, we see an additional increase of, of those issues. And, you know, we want to tackle those from a holistic sense. I think that's one issue. Uh, and then secondly, housing. Uh, housing is a big issue in the 31st. Um, we have folks, uh, it's an interesting district where there's a divide of, of uh, um, the amount of uh, homeowners versus tenants. Uh, but nonetheless, we have a lot of folks uh, who are displaced, a lot of folks who uh, are, have fallen behind in their rent. Uh, and uh, a lot of also small businesses, and this kind of ties into some of the stuff we're going to be talking about in the legislature, uh, who couldn't afford uh, to stay uh, in business? These small, you know, home, you know, folks who uh, own businesses in the neighborhood and are also homeowners in the community, uh, just or, or renters in the community, just could not afford. And so, you know, that's going to be a big, uh, big piece that we're going to be focused on in the legislature uh, come January. Is is how do we recover uh, from COVID nineteen? How do we make sure that the working class families uh, who have, uh, you know, built their entire lives around their businesses, built their entire lives around this community? Uh, can effectively and adequately uh, recover. Talk that talk, Khalil. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> and right. I'm going to also add that I think we all kind of touched on this in different ways. And again, I, you know, organizing is is important to think of issues as intersectional, right? Like the, you can't just address one issue in its silo. You have to look at the complex systems and conditions that we're all dealing with in our lives. And one other thing is healthcare. And this is another place where COVID just shine the light on the inequities of healthcare. Yeah, in our years and years and years, really. Years. Nearly one in three people in my district do not have health care. And this was the epicenter of the epicenter. I heard, right. you know, ambulances were the soundtrack of, of our campaign. We heard the ambulances going to Elmhurst Hospital at every moment. And it was because, you know, we didn't often have the preventative care that we needed to remain healthy in this moment. And we didn't have that healthcare that we needed to access the vital resources we do for COVID. Thankfully, there's been some good work happening and people are able to get tested um, without cost, but we actually need to completely reimagine the healthcare system because it has failed our communities. And again, we're all representing communities that are, are Black, that are Latinx, that are South Asian, that are immigrant, that are low income, working class. Uh, I have a large transgender community in my district, and it's really important that we're addressing healthcare and ensuring that we're fighting that every single person get the healthcare that they need. Um, and again, despite immigration status, despite the language they speak, despite their gender identity, that it's dignified quality healthcare. And there's a bill in the New York State Assembly and Senate that we've been all, I think, are fighting for. Yes, the New York Health Act. <laughs> and, you know, it's an opportunity for New York 
right? A progressive New York to lead on when we're all fighting for federal policy for, for Medicare for all, right. New York has the opportunity to be at the forefront. And I think we're all really excited to come in and, and fight for that because we see what health inequity means in our communities. No, and the health equity, like those disparities have been there, especially in black and brown communities for so, so long. And this really, really put us a, a harsh spotlight on it, you know, to see what was happening. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. When we come back, what are the issues that drove them into office from their constituents? We'll find out in just a moment. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We are in the midst of a sea change in every aspect of our lives and nowhere is that more evident than in the field of politics. A lot of people think of the state legislature as something upstate in Albany with people that have little to do with our daily lives, when in fact state lawmakers actually play a huge impact in the key issues in our communities from housing and healthcare to our schools, to our transportation, even to our parks and our roads. You're about to meet a group of people who are making change. They got involved in the system and uh, they're trying to do things in a new way to really serve their constituents and serve the people. Joining me is Goran Mamdani. He is uh, from Queens. He's the first South Asian man elected to the New York State Assembly, the first South Asian man elected from anything in New York City. Zoran, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's a pleasure. We appreciate it. Um, Jessica Gonzalez Rojas is the first Latina and first person of color elected from District 34 in Queens, which includes Jackson Heights and many other neighborhoods. Jessica, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa, so much. Thank you so much. Also joining us is Khalil Musa Anderson. He is the youngest black man ever elected to New York State. He represents District 31 in Queens, which is far Rockaway and other communities um, surrounding neighborhoods. Khalil, great to have you with us. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having us today. Thank you so much. Zoran, in terms of running, the physical aspect of running, once that guy or that person came over to you and said, hey, why don't you run, you know, why don't you run for the assembly? You're like, you know what? That's a great idea. I can be in there at that table when they're making those deals and when they're writing these laws. How, what do you do after that? I mean, do you, do you get a petition? I mean, explain to those of us who have never run for office, like, how do you do it? Like, and I really appreciate this question, Lisa, because I think that our task is to demystify this entire process because it serves those who are in power to ensure that politics remains a mystery. And I want everyone who's watching to know that this is something that you can do, right? If you choose that you, that you are going to run for office, what you first and foremost need to do is make sure that there are people around you who believe in that decision. This is not something you achieve as an individual. It might be my face. It might be our faces on, you know, on TV or on our names on the ballot. These achievements that we have come to, they are achievements of a collective. So for me, in order to run for office, you have to get your name on the ballot. In order to get your name on the ballot, you have to collect signatures from registered Democrats in your district. That's if you're running as a Democrat. Talking about, you know, physical signatures, paper, and not, not like a digital... Not, not like digital, although this year it'll be interesting to see what they do because our signature gathering period, you know, it was halfway through it was when COVID struck. So all three of us had enough signatures to get on the ballot, but there were some elected officials who did not. And now we'll see, you know, hopefully the vaccine comes um, as soon as it can, but 
In the case that it doesn't, we have to prepare for an election season for city council where people are not able to gather those signatures door to door because that's not something that, that people would you know, advise by health and we'll have to see that as it goes. So what I would say is, you know, those are the technical requirements, get the signatures, get on the ballot, then have people vote. But there's so much more to it. You have to basically organize an entire campaign, create a community, and then speak to voters wherever they are. And sometimes I'll just say that people, people look at what we do and think that it's a story of glory. It's a story of, you know, amazing highs that are documented every day in journalism and social media. The, the running for office, you know, the highs are public, the lows are private. And you have to let go of any sense of ego. Because when you are up there at the subway platform at 6 a.m. and you're asking somebody, can I get a minute of your time to talk about housing? You have to be ready to get rejected. When you are knocking on a door and asking them, can I get a minute of your time to talk to you about this issue or that issue? You have to understand that it's up to you to make this worth someone's time. And they don't have much of that. And so what I'd say is don't think that this will be a fantastic movie that will be seen on big screens everywhere. This is a struggle. And it is a struggle that you will live every single day. And um, just let me ask you this real quick. In terms, the other obstacle people have about running for office is money. That you need to have a lot of money, or you need to have a friend or a family member that has a lot of money that wants to put you on. What about the money aspect? How do you handle that when you run for state assembly? It is really, really difficult. Um, I'm a working class person, and my community is very working class um, and quite frankly low income. Um, and it takes courage also to get on the phone and spend hours and hours calling loved ones, people in your life, your neighbors, your money. Yes. And ask for money. And unfortunately, New York state has a system where you, you, you give me a dollar, I get a dollar. New York city fortunately has a system of of campaign finance where you give a city council candidate a dollar, they get $9. Um, so we also have to address the inequities. Yes, it's a matching funds program that is really uh, built to create a level playing field so that you don't have to be wealthy to run for office. Um, and we have that at the city level in New York City, but we don't have that on New York state level. And many of us are fighting for that. And there's a proposal that's supposed to happen, but we have to make sure there's teeth and funding behind it. Um, but it allows for more diverse people, people of color, women of color to run because you're not running only because you have access to wealth, but because you want to do the work. And those low dollar donations actually really, really help. For our race, we need many, many, and many low dollar donations. So it is about that network, right? That network of supporters. Can you ask your friends for $10? Can you ask your friends for $20, right? So it is really hard and, and, and often set up for to prevent people like us from running, right? From prevent, prevent activists and diverse people and young people from running because it's set up to really benefit uh, the wealthy. So I think, you know, many of us crack those ceilings because we are activists, right? And we have large networks, but it took many, many, many more people to get the money. And all, many of us didn't have that institutional support of like, you know, union packs at the moment, right? Dumping money into a race because we were insurgents. We were running against established candidates. So, you know, there was a lot of hesitancy to support people like us, but it took the everyday neighbor to support us to get us to this point where we are right now. And a real, a real grassroots thing. We're going to take a short break. This is Street Soldiers. When we come back, what do these new political powers hope to accomplish in Albany for the communities? We'll find out when we come back. 
What up, this is Trey Songz and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, real people, only on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. This has been an amazing year of changes. Some of them very, very bad. A lot of them very good. And one of them is on the political front where we've seen a whole host of new candidates, where we've seen more political engagement among voters across the board, all demographics coming out and really putting pressure on the system to work at its best. We're talking with some of the new political fresh faces in the New York State Assembly who are just about to start making changes to help their communities. Joining me is um, Zoran Mamdani. He represents District 36 in Astoria and other neighborhoods in Queens. He's the first South Asian man in the New York State Assembly, first South Asian man elected from New York City. Zoran, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much, Lisa. This has been a blast. We really appreciate it. Also, this is Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. She's the first Latina and first person of color to be elected from District 34, which includes Jackson Heights and a number of other Queens neighborhoods, very diverse. Uh, Jessica, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also with us is Khalil Musa Anderson. He's the youngest black man ever elected to the New York State Assembly. He represents District 31 in Queens which includes Far Rockaway and other Southeast Queens neighborhoods. Khalil, great to have you with us. Great honor, looking forward. Thank you so much. Khalil, in terms of what you hope to accomplish, realistically, I mean, of course we want, you know, healthcare for people, decent housing, all these things. As we all know, unfortunately, these things take time and can take much more time. How do you see, like, how are you adjusting your expectations, dealing with the political process and, you know, what are you hoping to really accomplish in, the, in this first term? So, you know what I think? I think that um, we shouldn't be uh, fearful of these political systems um, that put hindrances on our ambition and vision uh, for our neighborhoods. We know that our communities and our neighborhoods are in dire needs now more than ever, but were prior. Uh, and we were elected, uh, and I'll speak, you know, I'm speaking, of course, uh, for the folks who are here, but also myself, uh, because we really, really know that our communities need a stronger voice in Albany. People resonated uh, with our message. And so um, that doesn't affect what my uh, platforms and strategies or, and things what we want to get accomplished next year uh, in our first uh, term in office. Uh, and that means fighting, fighting to make sure that we get relief uh, for small homeowners and renters, uh, permanent relief, not just to carry us outside of the COVID-19 crisis, um, but looking at ways of, of permanently uh, making sure that we're keeping folks who are small home homeowners in their homes uh, and making sure that renters uh, have, you know, in strengthened rights here in the state, state of New York. Secondly, I think that our small businesses suffered before and after and during COVID-19. And so we need to make sure that we're supporting local businesses uh, in any fashion. And um, that's going to be at the top of my uh, priority as a member of the legislature. And thirdly, food access, right? Before this crisis, uh, you had to walk 20 blocks in the Rockaways, depending on where you live, yes. to go to a real grocery store. I'm not talking about a deli. I'm talking about a real grocery store where you can actually get real uh, substantive food and, and nutritional value. Um, that's a crisis. Our schools before, during, and after COVID uh, were struggling. I still have you know, over thousands of students in the 31st that don't have access to laptops and internet, folks who are in temporary housing that don't have access to laptops and internet, how can they effectively learn? And this is not something that existed 
uh, in a bubble. This is something that exists before, during, and after. And these are the four things that we want to really work towards. Uh, regardless of what the climate is uh, politically, we need to make sure that we're delivering for the constituencies uh, in our collective district, uh, my district in the 31st. No, especially requires that I have this fight for it. No, absolutely. Zoran, as, as Khalil was talking about, you know, economics, there's, there's these, de these issues, but by all, you know, by all prognostications, the economic future of New York may get much worse before it actually gets better. How is that going to change what you're able to accomplish in this first term is just basically keeping the ship afloat or what do you see maybe as uh, Governor Cuomo has said in, in the past, let's reimagine it better. Let's wh where are you with that in terms of your personal goals that you want to accomplish in these first two years? Yeah, I, I would say that there is a pressure within both political discourse as well as within discussions with politicians where they talk about wanting things to just go back to normal. But as each of the three of us have spoken about, normal was already killing people. Normal was already a crisis. This is not an opportunity to go back to normal. Governor Cuomo and I disagree on many, many things. But when he talks about reimagining a new world, I fully agree. We have to reimagine it better. Where we disagree is his better is more austerity, more privatized control, more privatized ownership. And my better and the better of so many others, including those on this call, is one where every single New Yorker has a dignified life. So right now we're going to see New York needing to come into a recovery. The question is, is this recovery going to be funded on the backs of the working class or is it going to be funded by raising taxes on the wealthiest New Yorkers? I know that what we need to do is the latter. We need to raise taxes on the wealthiest New Yorkers. You earning above $300,000 a year, we have to raise taxes. People will say, oh, but that's a middle-class family. No, if you're earning $300,000 and above every year, you're in the top 5% of income earners in New York State. We need to ensure that those who have the most share with the rest of New Yorkers so that we can lift the tide for all of us. That's what solidarity means. And that's what I'm going to be fighting for every single day is to pass those revenue bills to ensure that we have the money to keep the trains going. We have the money to keep people in their homes. We have the money to pass single payer healthcare through the New York Health Act. We have the money to invest in green jobs because they'll tell us that's not practical. That's not possible. They said the same thing about each of us running for office. And here we are. And then what we're going to do is change the calculus through our convictions in Albany. Yeah, different, a different kind of math. Different yeah. kind of math. Um, Jessica, Jessica, for you, what do you hope to accomplish, given that these challenges are, are so very, very difficult right now because of the pandemic? I believe in centering the lived experiences of those most impacted. So when I think about my neighbor that's struggling to pay rent, that is struggling to put food on their table, that is struggling because of juggling homeschooling and a, a job that is inflexible, right? That's, that's the voice that I'm bringing to Albany. And like my brother said, we have to fight to ensure that we're make, getting the investment and resource that we need to fully fund our schools, to pass, the, pass finally the New York Health Act, to cancel rent, to fund excluded workers, the people on the front lines that kept the city running this entire pandemic has been mostly immigrant undocumented people who are on the front lines of, of many of the industries that have kept the city going. And you know how much the relief they got? Nothing. So we have a moral responsibility to invest and, and serve those, those folks who have been on the front lines. And it's going to take 
what Zohran said, it's going to take taxing the rich. Do you know we have 120 billionaires with a B uh, in, in New York, and they have gotten $77 billion richer during the pandemic. So there is money. There is money in the state. And many of them have actually said that they're willing to make that investment. They're not going to flee this, the state or the city. This city is set up to, to, to make them successful. So they need to pay their fair share um, to ensure that everyone has the opportunity to live, work, and thrive in New York State. And so that success, that success can be shared by everybody. Khalil, quick question, last question, guys, as we wrap everything up here. Do you really and truly honestly believe you're going to be able to make a difference with these immense challenges ahead? We have no choice, right? Uh, the voters that elected us gave us a mandate to fight. Uh, and at the least, that's what we should be doing is fighting. Uh, we should not allow these discussions to go without our opinions. We should not allow these discussions to go on uh, without our voice at that table. Um, so we have that mandate and, and we have to fight. Uh, we can allow these discussions to continue to go over the heads of the millions uh, of working class New Yorkers who live uh, in this city and across the state uh, without having a voice in that room. And, and who are paying taxes as well, not billions of dollars of taxes, but they're paying taxes as well. Zoran, do you think you can, do you think you're going to be able to do it? I, I am excited. I am confident. And I'm also, you know, aware of the challenges that we will face, but we are not here for an intellectual discussion. We're not here to build a brand. We're here to bring results back to the people of our district. Right. And if we can't do that, then we shouldn't be in office. Now, each of us have extremely ambitious agendas. I'm not saying that, you know, at the end of this legislative session, every single thing will be achieved because a lot of them are connected to the need to build a mass movement out because right. no one individual, whether a politician or whoever they may be, will save all of us. It is going to be ordinary people who do extraordinary things that will shift the calculus. Just look at this past summer. We had a mass uprising across this country, the most beautiful protest movement in many, many decades in Black Lives Matter. And, those, and people coming out on the streets, ordinary people coming out, changed the minds of legislators who had been sitting on bills for years. Here in New York State, we had 50A, a bill to be able to make transparent police officers' histories of misconduct. We were told for years, this can't be done. We don't, you know, it might not be this, it might not be that. All of a sudden, we had thousands of people in the streets and the same legislators who told us it couldn't be done magically showed back up and voted in a different way. So it's up to ordinary people who are at home to make this. And one other thing I would just say is, you know, in terms of giving advice to people about, you know, how to get involved and, and how to run, I would also say make sure that somebody younger than you runs because I'm 29 years old. I'm so excited that Khalil is 24. So I can say that I'm an elder to him because everybody treats me like a youth, you know, just a youth vote. I have somebody even younger than me. I'm very excited about that. That's, that's awesome. And I can be Khalil's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love. I love. <laughs> soldier, okay? Jessica, perennial. <laughs> um, Jessica, in terms of the, what about for you? Can can you do it? And what about what you're going to have, when you're going to have those days where we do with every field, but especially with what you guys, the challenges that you guys have, have so willingly taken on, where you go like, why did I get into this? This is, this is, things are moving so much slower. These people that I need to say yes, just don't get it. No matter what we do, how, like, are you mentally prepared yourself for that? And are you really convinced 
that this new energy that we're seeing and that we're feeling that's very real, you know, nationally as well, is going to help you put you over the finish line. When I was knocking on doors, when we were able to knock on doors, there was a woman who opened her door, a Latina abuela, a grandmother, and, you know, all we needed was her to sign a petition, but she said, come in, come in. And she sat me down. She, of course, offered me food. <laughs> you know how we do. And she said, hold on, I'll be right back. So she went in her room and she came back and she put a blazer on. And what it told me is that she felt like I was important. And what it told me that she felt like I was ready to listen. And what it told me is that she had something to say. And that's who I'm holding. That's why I ran. That's why I'm doing this work. And that's who I'm accountable to. So I will fight like hell. I, I agree with everyone, what everyone said, right? We have to hold a vision. We know we're not going to get everything done what we, that we need to. But if we can move the needle, if we can change hearts and minds, if we can shift the dialogue as what's possible, I'm happy. We've done our job and we're ready to fight. All right. And we're ready to, uh, to continue talking with you throughout this process as we go through the upcoming months and face new challenges, maybe some we, we don't even know yet. Um, but we'll do it together. We want to stay in touch with you guys. We wish you a lot of good luck in the offices. Congratulations. And uh, we'll stay in touch as the movement moves on and we'll see where we are. And hopefully we can get everybody to a better place. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. Zoran Mamdani, thank you so much for being with us. Um, Jessica Gonzalez Rojas, thank you so much for being with us. And Khalil Musa Anderson, thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.